This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up? My name is Chris Highfield. I'm lead pastor at Grace River Church. I want to say thank you so much for watching us online today. Today we are in the middle of a series called Grace and Grit. We've been looking at the life of Paul all throughout the summer. And I want to say again, thank you for joining us for this. You know, what's incredible about the life of Paul is Paul actually wrote half of your New Testament. So if you look at your Bible, uh, he literally wrote half of the books in it, 13 letters of the New Testament. And he wrote those to to churches. Uh, But what's really interesting about the life of Paul is before he was a Christian, he actually persecuted the church and persecuted Christians. And so uh, we're introduced to Paul, uh, and his name is actually Saul when we first meet him in the book of Acts. And he was persecuting Christians uh, helping kill Christians, helping imprison Christians. And he, he comes to this place in his life uh, where, where God shows up in his life in a miraculous way, and he begins to meet, know, and follow Jesus. And so uh, we see some amazing things happen in Paul's life from there. He gets a new name, uh, which is an indication really in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, when somebody got a new name, they were like a new person. And so you can imagine uh, the conflict and the tension in these local churches Uh, The same person that used to be a terror to the church, the same person that used to be a persecutor to the church, is now a preacher in the church. I mean, can you imagine that for a second, just how weird that would be? Well, today we're going to talk about uh, disagreement that Paul had with somebody. And uh, it's really wild because he had a disagreement with his mentor, had a disagreement with the one that was uh, his number one encourager. In fact, uh, we find uh, in the book of Acts this character known as Barnabas. And Barnabas just simply means uh, son of encouragement. His job was to encourage other believers and especially Paul. In fact, Barnabas was the one that stood up for Paul whenever other people thought uh, that maybe he was a Trojan horse, when other people thought uh, that, that this was just a trick, that he wasn't really a Christian and he was just here to persecute us still. Barnabas was the one that stood in the gap for him and helped him. He was also the one that, that trained him, prayed for him, and encouraged him on his new faith journey. And so it's uh, interesting Uh, that Paul and Barnabas come to this sharp disagreement in the Bible, and they're doing ministry work whenever it happens. They don't have a sharp disagreement over fantasy football. They don't have a sharp disagreement uh, over money. Uh, They they just have a sharp disagreement about personalities uh, that are involved in the ministry between the two of them. And so let's dive into this story. If you have your Bibles, we're going to actually start in Acts chapter 13. Uh, You can open up your YouVersion Bible app or get your Bible out and follow along. And if you don't have either, you can follow along on the screen. So check this out. Acts chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 13. Paul and his companions uh, then left Phaethus by ship to Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled to Antioch in Poseidon. Now, the, the most important part of this story is this. John Mark left them. So, We see we have Paul and Barnabas, they're traveling together, but John Mark just decides decides to leave. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers were doing. And Barnabas agreed, but he wanted to take along John Mark. So in Acts chapter 13, John Mark, we don't know why, uh, but he leaves Paul and Barnabas. And church historians believe that the reason why he leaves is because they, they, things were not going well. They would preach the gospel and they would get beat up. They would preach the gospel and get drug out of cities and towns and then literally walk right back into them. I mean, when I get a bad email 
after a sermon, I just got to be honest with you. I, I sometimes want to quit. I'm kidding, but like, um, I don't, I don't love that, but I've never been drug out of our church and beat up because of what I preached. And that's Paul and Barnabas' story. Now, John Mark gets sick of this and he returns to Jerusalem. And later on, we see two chapters over that, that Paul says to Barnabas, hey, we should go back and check up on some of these churches that we've established, some of these churches that have been planted. And Barnabas is like, absolutely, we totally should. And you know what we ought to do? We ought to bring John Mark with us. But look at what happens. Uh, and you may think that it was always unicorns jumping over rainbows in the Bible with people getting along and stuff like that. But what we're going to find out is there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas here. Look at this in Acts 15. But Paul disagreed strongly. Why did he disagree? Because John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. This disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Who separated? Paul and Barnabas. The disagreement about John Mark was so sharp and so intense that they were like, all right, hey, I guess we're not going to do ministry work together any longer over this. And what's wild is this dynamic duel of Paul and Barnabas, we never hear about them doing ministry work or even talking ever again after that in the Bible, which is wild to think about. And so Barnabas was an encourager, right? He was the one that, uh, that was really empathetic. He was a feeler. He was an encourager. He was the kind of person that would coach you along through, through trials and difficulties. And Paul was the one that was just really mission-driven. I mean, he's the A-type kind of driver personality. Uh, you may have a boss like this. You may have a friend like this that just always makes the decisions, right? And he's driven. This is where we're going to eat. This is what we're going to do, right? Uh, the driven personality, that's who Paul is. And so I want to give you that framework and a little bit of background as we walk through this. And I want to talk to you today about steps on how to disagree well. Because the reality is, is that we are all going to have disagreements. We're just going to have them. You're going to have them with your spouse. You're going to have them with your kids. You're going to have them with your neighbors. You're going to have them with your friends and your coworkers. You're going to have disagreements. So let's equip each other uh, through the word of God on it. Man, how is it that we're going to disagree well? Because it's going to happen disagreements will come. I would love for everyone to be right and just agree with me. I'm kidding, right? I know that I'm wrong often, okay? Uh, just ask anyone that knows me. I'm oftentimes wrong. And I mean, I, when I'm wrong, I want to be like the first one to say, man, I was wrong. I blew it there, right? So steps on how to disagree well. Number one, remember, even though there is one problem, there are still several viewpoints. I mean, when it comes to the Paul and Barnabas problem, they had one problem. They were going to go and check up on these churches. That was the problem. That was what they were trying to go do. And there were several viewpoints on how they were going to do that. Paul was like, hey, me and you can do this. Barnabas was like, hey, let's include other people, uh, especially John Mark. And there was one problem, but two different viewpoints on how to solve that problem. So, you know, and we can use the Bible to, to do anything we want with it, right? We could take standalone verses and go, okay, basically the question I want to ask is, who was right? Was Paul right or was Barnabas right? And you know what the real quick answer is? They both were. That there was one problem and there was multiple solutions to, or multiple even viewpoints to the problem. So here, here's an example of what we do sometimes as followers of Jesus, though. We use the Bible, and th that's why, uh, and that, that's important that we do it, uh, but we can't build uh, our response to something off of one verse in the Bible. So Paul could have said something like this. He could have looked at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19, regarding John Mark, uh, deserting them. Look at this. 
You could have said to Barnabas, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Like that could have been the argument that Paul uses to tell Barnabas, hey, we should not bring this John Mark with us, dude, because bringing this person with us is like, is like chewing with a loose tooth, right? Uh, it's like walking with a broken foot. Uh, you, you don't want to do it. So you don't want to bring people like that. Barnabas could have said, though, uh, Barnabas could have been like, hey, he could have quoted a passage they would have both known in the Old Testament in the book of Lamentations that says this, but this is a call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never, uh, never comes to, a, to an end. There are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, Bar- Barnabas could have said, Paul, we should take on the characteristics of God and make sure that the mercy that we have for people never comes to an end. I'm sure Barnabas probably told him, don't you think he's changed? Uh, should we give him a second chance? So the, 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 the big question that I wanted to ask was this, who was right? They both were. Now, recently I got into uh, a pretty contentious matter uh, with a friend of mine. In fact, he's a staff member, Jacob, our, our student pastor. We were, um, I'm going to be really vulnerable. We were driving through um, a drive-through uh, one morning. We were on a trip together and um, we were getting ready to order some food. And I just asked a quick question to him. And I don't know where the question came from, but I just said, hey man, what do you think the number one ordered breakfast item menu is at Chick-fil-A? And he came in hard and strong with it's got to be the four count mini. There's no way. And I was like, hey man, I, I really believe, I really believe it's the chicken biscuit. And we debated this, kicked this around, and, and it got kind of heated, I'll be honest. Like it, I was kind of surprised. I don't know if he hadn't had enough rest or something, but things got a little intense. And we didn't know. Uh, we had a problem, and we had multiple viewpoints on what the answer was. And so you know what I did is um, I, I cheated to find the answer, and I texted the owner of the O'Fallon Chick-fil-A. Uh, his name's Mike Noel. And so I don't know how I got his phone number, but I have it. And so here's what the text, I asked a question. I said, hey, Mike, Chris Highfield with Grace River here, wondering what is the most popular breakfast menu item? By the way, uh, this was a year ago, August 9th, 2021. So some, somewhere around a year ago, right, right whenever I'm preaching this. And so... Uh, I'm in a debate with a friend on this. He says this. I love this. Look at this. Chick-fil-A biscuit is first. So, I mean, I don't have to be right, but I was, right? Four count mini, second. And so, it's no big deal. I say this. You're the man. This helped me win the debate. I appreciate you. And he gave me the thumbs up. Which, by the way, if we're ever texting, don't give me the thumbs up. Like, I like Mike, but like, thumbs up. Let's not do that, right? So, uh, in fact, if you're texting me or my wife, don't do the thumbs up thing. It annoys both of us. Anyways, Steps on how to agree well. Remember, listen to me, even though there's one problem, there's multiple viewpoints. And so that's why it's really important for us to take the second step, which is we got to listen to understand, not to respond. Dude, I'm the worst at this. And I think if you're honest, you're bad at it too, which is we're listening only with the intention to win the argument. So you were having a disagreement with someone and you're listening and you're listening as intently as possible, but you're not listening intently to solve the problem. You're listening intently for your next point that you're going to make that puts them on their butt, right? That's what I do whenever I'm listening. And this is something I'm trying to grow in. The book of James uh, is written by the half-brother of Jesus. And James says this about disagreements and what to do. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must always be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So what should I be quick to? I should be quick 
to listening, to listening and trying to understand what it is that's going on. And then I'm slow to speak. And I want you to practice this the next time you're in a disagreement with somebody. Like, be quick to listen. Like, all right, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to listen to what it is that you have to say. And, and be slow to speak and be extra slow at getting angry. And I think that sometimes we do the opposite of all this. We're quick to speak, quick to get angry, and we're really slow to listen. And that's me. I, I don't know. I'm talking for me. I don't know. I can't talk for you. But if you agree with that, man, give me a thumbs up. Like, if that's something, not really a thumbs up. I just said don't do a thumbs up. But give me like a yes, that's me. Uh, and that'll be really awesome. And so listen to understand, not to respond. The third thing is resist the temptation to villainize. Uh, man, I think that sometimes when we get in a disagreement with somebody, we're trying to usually, usually when we're in the disagreement, we're trying to solve a problem. And when the person doesn't agree with us on how we solve the problem, we are really quick to demonize that person or to villainize them. Whenever we first enter into a relationship, whether it's a dating relationship or a friendship, we oftentimes idolize a person. We go, man, they are awesome. I, they couldn't do anything wrong. They must be like Jesus Jr. I mean, it's unbelievable what these people can do, right? And we're just like, wow. We tell other people about the friendship. We tell other people about their strengths and their gifts and just how awesome of a person they are. But when they let us down for the first time or let us down for the 10th for the time, at some point when we have the, one of those disagreements, we idolize and then we demonize or we villainize. And I want you to know, man, it's important that you resist the temptation. They are not the enemy. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that there, there is a battle that you and I face that's deeper than flesh and blood. And so what the battle that you and I face is, it's, it's, it's the enemy. And so, man, what Satan loves more than anything is for us to have disagreements and conflict, for us to get off mission, for us to be distracted by the things that don't really matter, like who cares if it's a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit or a four-count nugget. To be honest with you, they both taste amazing, right? And if you're watching this on a Sunday, I'm really sorry because Chick-fil-A is closed today. But resist the temptation to villainize people uh, because they, they are not your enemy. The fourth thing is work together to come to a compromise. Figure out a way to come to a compromise. Figure out a way to go, okay, listen, my, here's my viewpoint, here's you, your viewpoint, how can we meet in the middle? Because again, if I'm looking to win, every single person loses. And so find a way to come to a compromise. I mean, I wish that was the case with Paul and Barnabas. This is one story in the Bible that I wish I could step into and help rewrite. This is one story in the Bible that I wish that there was a way to go, man, Paul and Barnabas met, they talked about it, and then they brought John Mark along with them, or they decided that, that, that they could stay together and John Mark does his own thing or whatever, but instead they just decide to split after that. And it just feels a little dramatic, doesn't it? Like, it, like they weren't able to come, they weren't able to come to a compromise. Kind of reminds me of the story of uh, this family in the UK. Uh, there were two neighbors that had a sharp disagreement about this tree. This neighbor hated this tree. Uh, and part of the tree, although the trunk of the tree wasn't on their property line, this half of the tree was. And the tree attracted birds that were really annoying to this neighbor. And so what the neighbor decides to do is the neighbor decides to cut the limbs off of this side of the tree uh, in hopes that the birds would go away. And what ended up happening was this, is the birds still come, obviously, right? And they still come and they still poop on this car. And so if we're not willing to come to a compromise, this is kind of what our life ends up looking like, is we try to get what we want, 
but we still end up in the same stinking mess that we're in at the very beginning of it. And so work together to come to a compromise. Figure out a way, right? And maybe it means, I, I dare to say this, maybe it means that we're wrong. And it's okay. We say this all the time at Grace River. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. I think the chief virtue of the Christian life is walking in humility. In fact, at, when you're proud and you're prideful, you're actually, uh, you're, you're actually like disagreeing with God. And so figure out a way to humble your heart. Figure out a way to come to a compromise and go, you know what, I don't have to be right. I don't have to win. Instead, let's work together to figure this out. The fifth thing is, uh, so the fourth thing I had to work together to come to a compromise, the fifth thing, sometimes when you can't agree, agree to disagree without becoming disagreeable. Like, figure out a way. There is a way to do this. And so, but sometimes at the end of the day, you come to the table to figure out this disagreement and man, you're just gonna have to agree to disagree. Back to the Chick-fil-A story, that's exactly where Jacob and I still are at to this day. We have agreed to disagree. Although he knows he's wrong, we have the data to prove it, right? But he's, he, all kidding aside, we, we joke about this, but we've just made a decision to, to agree to disagree. And I know this will reopen the debate. Many of you will, will laugh about this and hopefully you'll, um, you'll, you'll point out that I'm right, which is fine. But, uh, but agree to disagree and do it in a way that you're not like disagreeable. Do it in a way where you're kind and loving. And I, I think it's interesting. I want to pick up the end of the story uh, in, towards the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Paul writes to Timothy and he's telling him, um, he's, he writes to Timothy and he says to Timothy, hey, um, I'm at the end of my life, but I can't wait for you to come. And he's giving Timothy instructions on what to do uh, and who to bring with him at, at the end of his life. And so uh, to help them with, with a final missionary journey. But it's interesting because Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 um, to Timothy. And it's chapter 4, verse 9. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me. Now remember this again. Paul's been used to being deserted um, because he's, he's been deserted by, by John Mark. He loves the things of the life and has gone to Thessalonica and has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. But look at this in verse 11. <laughs> I love this because at the end of Paul's life, he's willing to give John Mark a second chance. He says this, bring Mark with you when you come for he will be helpful for me in ministry. Can you believe this? It's almost like at the end of Paul's life, he's like, I was wrong about John Mark. Would you be willing to bring him with you? Because I believe that he's gonna be helpful in ministry. And I just wonder today, man, maybe it's a chance for you today to go, man, I've had disagreements with people and maybe today's the day you say, I'm gonna give him a second chance. Or you've had disagreements with people and you can agree to disagree, but you can do it in a disagreeable way. I don't know what that next step is for you today, but my hope is today is that you take some of the tools that we've talked about today and you decide that, you know what, I'm not gonna live the life where I have to be right all the time. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, I wanna leave you with this verse and then I wanna pray for you. It says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. And Paul writes that and 
I, I find it fitting that, that he would do this because he, he's just simply saying, do every single thing that you can to live at peace with people. And when you've exhausted all those options, uh, you know, that's it. But make a decision to say, I'm gonna disagree well with people. I'm gonna be in alignment with God's heart. And so let's pray together. I'm gonna pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's just pray about a next step together today. God, I thank you um, that you're a God that says, it's okay to disagree. And God, I pray that you would help us to disagree with people well. I pray for the couple today that's not getting along. God, I pray that you would help them to use these principles that were taught today to disagree well. God, I pray for the friends that are struggling in relationship. God, I pray that you would intervene in the situation and help them to, to walk in humility and disagree well. God, I pray for coworkers and neighbors and friends and extended family. Help us to walk in humility and solve these problems. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all this, amen. Hey, I wanna say thanks again for watching online at home this week. I hope that you have an awesome rest of your week. I can't wait to meet you in person sometime here at Grace River Church. We have three normal worship times, 8.30, 9.45, and 11 o'clock every single Sunday. Uh, we've got something for kids, we've got something for adults, uh, we've got great student ministry. I can't wait to see you in person and connect you with somebody else in our church. It's gonna be an awesome experience. And so uh, thank you so much. I hope you have an awesome day and we'll see you real soon here at Grace River Church. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.